Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. So today we are in week two of our Advent sermon series called The Reason for the Season. And again, what we're doing in this series is trying to get behind all that Christmas has become so that we can not only see, but more importantly, experience the real reason for the season. Or why it is the Christmas event is actually one of the most significant events to happen in the history of the world. So last week, and to set a foundation for this series, what I tried to show you by walking you through kind of a brief history of God is when we take the time to, to get at what the essence of Christmas is all about, surprisingly, what we find is contrary to popular belief or what we are taught almost every Christmas, what we continue to hear over and over again, is the real reason for the season is not just Jesus. And I'm not taking anything away from Jesus here either, right? No Jesus, no Christmas. No, when you dig in, you see the whole story, what you begin to discover is that we are the reason for the season. Or we are the reason that God decided to show up into the world. Or what is really going on through the Christmas event is a God who loves his people so much that he decided to chase us down and get us back. He was going to show up in person in flesh and blood and love us in a way that we cannot deny. That, my friends, is the real reason for the season. That's why it matters. And something that if you get, not just here, but in your heart, it will change your life forever. But now that you guys are getting your head wrapped around all of that, and I hope you are because it really will change you, this morning what I would like to do to help you see the significance of Christmas in even bigger ways is to get into another one of the reasons for the season that we oftentimes overlook, that we oftentimes don't think about. But to do that, I'm going to have to tell you about an experience I had once with trying to assemble a coffee table. You guys know where this one's going, don't you? So once upon a time, my wife and I, we bought a couple of coffee tables to spice up our living room, which of course at the time was absolutely amazing. We finally had some money to do something. Fantastic. That is until we got home and my wife said, well, you're in charge of putting that together, don't you know? Now, I'm sure for most of you, when you think about putting together a coffee table, it doesn't seem like that big a deal. But what you got to know about me is that not only do I usually not have the right tools to do those things, but I've also never learned those skills. Because in my household growing up, if it couldn't be fixed with duct tape and bailing wire, it was not going to get fixed. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? So the way I manage my deficit when it comes to, to putting things together is I'm usually really, really good at following instructions. You know, doing my best to decipher what the instructions and pictures are showing me to do step by step. And on this particular occasion, man, I started, I put this thing together, and I thought things were going perfect. I mean, it seemed to be going like it was designed to go. And to be honest with you guys, I was feeling really good about myself, right? I'm a man. I was working with tools. I was making something, right? And it doesn't happen very often for me. I sit around and write and do all that kind of stuff. So I was feeling good, that is, until... I got to the very, very end, the very final step, and figured out that the leg that needed to go on, I already put it on, right? 
It was, the, it was the very first thing I did. I got it wrong starting from the beginning. So what that meant is I was going to have to go back, undo all the work that I had already done, and start all over from scratch. And of course, what does that do to your frustration level? Well, it takes it from about here and moves it to about here. And yet, even with that error, I kept it together, thinking I'd learned from my mistake, took it apart, and then again, with my new knowledge, I started to put it together again. And I thought things were going well again. But just as I was about to get finished up the second time, I found out it still wasn't right. There was still something in the wrong place. And I wish I could tell you as your minister, when I messed up that second time, I just took a breath, said a prayer, kept my head down and got it figured out. But of course, that's not what happened. <laughs> right? What do you do when you're in that place? Well, I might have said some words that you're not supposed to say. And don't act like you guys don't know what I'm talking about. We've all been in that place, which in turn, only made things even more difficult. The third time I tried to put it together, because again, I made another one of those idiotic mistakes. So what I did next, after taking a brief break of going out in the backyard and yelling and screaming and running around, I finally came to my senses and got out the duct tape and the bailing wire and put it together using a method I'm comfortable with. <laughs> and even though it didn't look quite right, it was functional. No, no, what I really did, because my wife would never allow me to do that, let's just be honest. Last ditch effort to put this stupid table together, I looked it up on YouTube. Because for those of you who don't know, anything that requires assembly in our world today has a video to walk all of us morons through the process. And after watching that four minute video, it took me about 10 minutes, not just to put one table together, but to put both tables together after I had spent two hours with the first one. And I'm sure this is something that has never happened to any of you brilliant people sitting out there today, right? Now, the reason I tell you that story is because for me, it really brings to light one of the main reasons for why Jesus came into the world. And that Jesus didn't just come into the world to save us, although that's a huge part of it. And we're going to get into that on Christmas Eve. No, Jesus came to be our example. And to see this, the way things worked before Jesus showed up is the Jewish people had their instructions in the form of the Old Testament law. So basically, if they wanted to know how to live their lives, how to live in God's will, they would go to the law as their instruction manual, which, by the way, is a really, really good thing. It works in a whole lot of situations. But here's the thing. Even though having instructions is a good thing, YouTube is better. YouTube is better. And the reason it is better is because instead of trying to decipher or translate words written on a page to the real world, which can be quite a jump for those of you who have tried it, YouTube shows us how to do it step by step in a way that we can emulate, making sure that, that the tasks are not only easier, but we're able to actually do it. Well, for me, in a sense, metaphorically speaking, of course, Jesus is like YouTube. In that now, instead of just having written instructions, we also have a living, breathing, walking, talking example of what it looks like to live out God's instructions in human form. Or to think of this logic in a couple of other ways. Jesus is like watching a movie based on a book you've already read where he takes those words on a page and he brings it to life in a way that we didn't even know was possible. It makes it real for us. Or like a coach, after yelling at her team for trying to get them to do something they just don't get, it's like she puts down her clipboard and she gets into the game to show the girls how to do it. Yeah, well, that's a big part for me of what's going on when Jesus was born into the world. Because in Jesus, God, instead of just sending more instructions, showed up in human form as our example. Or, or the place we go to learn what it looks like 
to live God's will. But, but now that you guys are starting to get that that's another big part of the reason for the season, what we need to do next so, so you can begin to see this is to get practical by examining the two main ways that Jesus went about showing us how to live God's will. So the first and most obvious way that Jesus went about teaching us how to live our lives can be found, of course, in his teaching. Or in the things that you'll find written down in the New Testament, those are God's words spoken to us on how we're supposed to be living our lives. That's the wisdom of God being shared in human form. And to help you get just how important these are, let me share with you Jesus' teaching on his teachings, or what it is that Jesus says about why his teaching really matters. So, so Matthew 27, 24 through 27 says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now, what Jesus is doing in this parable is he's taking a metaphor that, that most people in that day and time would have clearly understood because people in that time built their own houses. They weren't calling contractors. And he's using that to, to get at the difference between the people who just hear his words and the people who not only hear them, but go out and live them. And that for those who hear and do, they, they are building their life on something strong and firm that cannot be overcome, making uh, for them a much better and more secure life. Well, on the flip side, what happens is everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The consequence being, you can know what Jesus has to say. In fact, you can have the whole New Testament memorized. You can know all the theology that there is to know. But if you don't take what he teaches and do it, it's as stupid as building your house on the sand. Right? I mean, it's simple. It's straightforward. It's easy to do. But if you don't do it in big and little ways, when life begins to show up, what you're going to find is your life is going to fall apart. So what Jesus is basically saying here is, hey, you want to live in the life that's truly life? You want to live into the life that I've created you to live? Then it's not just enough to, to know and understand what I say. No, to do it, you, you've, you've got to actually go out and live it each and every day. Or for example, when Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Yeah, you guys know that's not just information for you to memorize and know. These are instructions on how to live your life according to the way you were designed to live. Because in a sense, what's happening in and through all of Jesus' teachings, this is just an example, is like the designer of all of this. Think about this. The one who created this world to function in a particular way showed up and said, Hey, if you want to live a good life, if you want to live the right life, this is what it looks like. This is what you should be Simple, straightforward, easy. Jesus is our example. Then, the second way that Jesus came to be our example was not just in what he did, in, or excuse me, not just in what he said, his teachings. But we also need to emulate, we need to learn from how he lived each and every day of his life. Because Jesus was not one of those guys who, you know, was all about do what I say and not what I do. And there's a ton of people out there that are doing that. No, Jesus always put his money where his mouth was. Or Jesus not only came to teach us, but he also came to be this ultimate example or this pattern that we should be trying to emulate in every part of our lives. Which means not only should we learn from Jesus' teachings, 
But we should also pay close attention to how he lived, how he treated others, everything he did in his life. Or to see this, we turn to Matthew 9, 10 through 13, and it says this. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Now, what I find so interesting about what Jesus is doing here is Jesus is actually breaking a very important unspoken rule in the ancient Jewish world, which can be articulated like this. The people you eat with, the people you spend time with, define who you are. The people you eat with, the people that you spend time with, those are the people who define who you are. And the way this unspoken rule worked in the ancient world is holy and good people only ate with holy and good people. While dirtbags and sinners, they ate with other dirtbags and sinners. But never should this group come together. And all because what they thought would happen when a good person dared to sit down and eat with a sinner is a sinner would corrupt the good person. Or eating with dirtbags and sinners made you a dirtbag and sinner, so you shouldn't do it. And yet, what do we find Jesus doing here? Yeah, he's breaking this rule. He eats with those people that no one else dares to eat with, which is exactly why the Pharisees, right, the holy and good people of that day, they chime in and ask, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? Or what in the world is Jesus doing eating with these kind of people? Doesn't he know he's going to ruin his reputation? Doesn't he know that somehow these people are going to corrupt him? But on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. A statement that puts into perspective a big part of what Jesus came to do was to chase after all those dirtbags and sinners because he loves and wants to save them as well. Which, by the way, is exactly what you'll find Jesus doing throughout his entire gospel. So, of course, what that means for you and I today is we should do the same thing. Right? We should be a people who are all about meeting people where they are, as they are, regardless of who they are or what they've done. Because that's what Jesus did. That's our ultimate example. That's what it looks like to live God's will. Which, by the way, is something we're not very good at. Right? Just take a moment and think about your workplace or wherever it is that you spend your most time. Think about that one person that nobody likes because they're a little questionable, a little weird. When's the last time you actually spent time with that person? When's the last time, instead of avoiding them, you had a conversation with them? When's the last time you acted like Jesus. That's how important it is. That's how you save the world. That's how you change lives. Live like Jesus lived. So at this point, what I hope all of you are beginning to see regarding the real reason for the seasons, that a big part of why Jesus came into the world was to give us a living, breathing, walking, talking example of what it looks like to live God's will. Or instead of just sending more and more instructions that can be hard to translate into real life, God, in a sense, made us a YouTube video so we can see very clearly what it looks like for you and I to live into the extraordinary lives God has created us for. Which ultimately means that if we want to get behind what Christmas has become, what that looks like, not only during this season of the year, but every day of our lives, is we need to get a whole lot better of committing ourselves to imitating Jesus. Because that, too, is the reason for the season. Let us pray. Father, again, we come to you and so grateful for what the Christmas story has to teach us about who we are and how we're supposed to be living our lives. So first of all, Lord, help us to remember what we learned last week. 
and that we are the reason for the season. We are the reason you decided to step down into the world and chase after us. We are the reason you came because you wanted us back. So, Lord, we embrace that this morning. But even more than that, Lord, help us now to see that a part of the reason why you came was to teach us how to live. You you came into into the world as a human being to show us what it means to be a human being. And so instead of just hearing these things and knowing them in our minds, help us now, O Lord, to go out and live them with everything that we are. Help us to truly become a people who are committed to following you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.